Hi everyone, just a quick announcement before this episode starts. This week we have a raw and heavy conversation on grief and death, so if this is triggering, then please feel free to skip this week's episode and come back next week. There are a lot of resources out there, Beyond Blue, Lifeline, Headspace, and importantly, your family and friends, so please do reach out to them if you can. Other than that, we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Small Gals Big Chats, a podcast about two Asian Australian girls finding their way in this crazy world. You're joined by Amelia and Monica. Grab a coffee and snack and make yourself comfortable. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Hi, welcome back to another episode with us. We're going to dive right into this episode. But before we start, we have been contemplating about talking about it. It's a very personal subject for Amelia and I. It's definitely a topic that we've contemplated about whether or not we should talk about this on our podcast, because obviously our podcast gets released, it's very public. And as Mon mentioned, this is something that it's very personal to us and it's almost like it's very sacred. We didn't want to talk about it until we felt like we were ready to. And I think we're at the point where we feel like we're somewhat ready to talk about the topic because I guess maybe we should say what the topic is. But what we're talking about today is grieving. Everyone grieves at some point of their lives, but grieving is very different depending on who you're grieving for. Yes, exactly. I think there's personally a difference between grieving for a friend and grieving for perhaps a relative and grandparent and in our case unfortunately it was for a friend so it's very personal for us yeah we are being I guess in a way very vulnerable on the subject Mm. because it hits closely but I think this episode also is a little reflection on how we've gone on this journey I would say Mm. and how we have dealt with the emotions that have come with grieving I think. This is definitely a topic that not everyone can relate to and we don't want anyone to ever be able to relate to what we are and what we have been going through but we do think I mean this podcast is all about all the things that we go through through our young adulthood and this is a very significant event in which Mon lost a friend who she's known since primary school and I lost a friend as well but also my boyfriend so we just want to shed some insight into this topic and kind of talk about some of the things that helped us how we feel now compared to how we felt a year ago because it did happen at the beginning of last year so it's been a good you know a good year and a half now how we feel now and how we feel then is very different and we just thought it would be good to reflect exactly and i think with adding lockdown into that mix of bags it's been i say a weird last year and a half for us but yeah we're definitely gonna explore all that throughout this episode and yeah we do hope you don't relate to this episode but we do hope the key takeaway is that you'll understand perhaps if someone is going through those stages of grief that you can perhaps understand how they are feeling through listening to this Yeah, that's a good way to put it, because I think, not that I expect anyone to know what to say to someone when someone's grieving, but some very stupid things have been said to both Mon and I, and we just thought, why not talk about it and kind of unpack why those things didn't help? Because I think that sometimes we don't know what to say, and when someone is grieving, it's important that you say something that's helpful, I think. Yeah, so that's definitely one point we'll touch on. Shall we dive in? Yeah. Okay, so maybe if I start from the very beginning, you know, like when this happened, Mon and I were 22 years old. Mon's giving me a look, we were 22 years old. Holy shit, my, 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 mine, like my shock, but yeah, we were 22. I'm 24 now. <laughs> yeah, Mon's 24 now, I'm turning 24. Having a mini quarter life crisis. Yeah, because it happened at the beginning of last year. So this is pre-lockdown. Just for context, for anyone that doesn't know, um, Australia went into lockdown in March 2020 and this happened in Feb 2020. So the first thing that Mon and I both think about is how we felt on that first day, right? Like 
I remember that first day very, very vividly. I remember the moment I told Mon. I remember how I told my friends. I remember how I felt when I first found out. And I guess the first thing that I felt when I found out is, like, we're 22 years old. You don't expect to wake up to a call saying that your boyfriend had passed away. So I guess the first initial thought I had was just shock and disbelief. Like, I wasn't even sad. At this point, you were just in shock, almost in in denial. You feel like this lump in your throat and you feel this, like, drop in your stomach and you just think, what the fuck? Like, that's all you can think about. You just think, what the fuck? Like, what the actual fuck just happened? Brain is going really quickly and you're trying to, like, process what happened. But at the same time, everything feels like it's moving very slowly. Like, I just remember that morning that I found out was probably the slowest morning ever. It felt like an entire day, but in reality, it had only been about two hours. I just remember it was at the point where I knew, my family knew, and his family knew, and weirdly, I kind of wanted to keep it that way. Like, I just didn't want to tell anyone, because I felt like if I told someone outside the people that already knew, then it would make it real. People might think, that's stupid, because it already happened, but that's just how your mind thinks, right? When you receive such traumatic news, you feel like if you say it out loud, then it makes it more real. So, yeah, I kind of put that off, but obviously I, I our friends um, had every right to find out. So I told them, and I remember telling Mon, and I think Mon and I talked about this before, but I was, like, struggling to say what happened. It was very yeah. early in the morning, right? Yeah, so I received the call 7 a.m., and I am, like Amelia has said earlier, it's a very vivid memory for me. Like, I could remember exactly what happened like probably hour by hour on that day and I don't think I'll ever forget that but yeah I received a call from Amelia at seven and that's rare like she never calls me that early so when she does it's like probably something did happen I'm surprised I did pick up the phone but yeah I remember her breaking the news to me but struggling to say what happened and I remember feeling like very yeah that shock and disbelief because like how could that happen Mm. um like out of all people I guess Mm. and yeah that I thought someone was just playing a really really bad joke that day you Mm. know like someone's just like haha and then like got you like I'm here you know and I think I broke down the phone with Amelia yeah I just didn't get back to sleep yeah I I don't know the first day I can remember everything but it just felt like a blur like I just you just couldn't believe what had happened um and I know at one point in the morning all our friends got together and we were all trying to process the information at the same time but still like not actually believing it's real because it's not sinking in yet and I guess we'll touch upon this later but I think for a good month I didn't think it was real maybe a reason for that was because at one at that point in all our friendships we were all so busy consumed with our own lives that whenever we did catch up with each other it was like a monthly or every two mm. days they called on meetup so then you know you don't see him in a while and it's okay but then when we started hanging mm. out it's like that missing piece but yeah we'll touch yeah. on that later <laughs> and you still do feel like someone's missing like I think that's the worst part about grieving is that you are always going to feel like that person's missing I think but we'll mention it later on as well and and we'll talk about how we feel now but yes that morning I just remember telling Mon and then all our friends got together which was really nice but that that whole entire day just felt so slow yeah it did because we were at our friends but then lunchtime just came by really slowly and Mon and I hung out afterwards till the evening but that felt very slow also mm-hmm. that whole week I think in general was just the slowest week of my life losing yeah. someone who I've known since primary school and it's like losing a brother I would say just like yeah. someone you knew so closely and you know someone who you grow really fond of and I actually like looked up to him also it was just just really heartbreaking I think best work to describe that it is very heartbreaking and it's it's just not something that you expect to ever happen I guess especially at our age and people pass away and you see it on the news unfortunately and stuff but you just never think that's going to happen to your friendship group so when it does happen to your friendship group you can't help but think why out of like everyone did it have to happen to our group and to our friend I, I mean I got quite angry about it but that definitely came later I think the initial stage that Mon and I both felt was just shock 
and you almost just don't know what you're gonna do. I think at that point, you because I'm the type of person as well that I like to pre-plan everything. And for that period of time in my life, I couldn't plan anything. I didn't even know what I was going to do the next day. So I was literally taking it hour by hour because I was just so afraid of looking too ahead. I, you know, a weird memory that keeps coming to my head. I just remember like Mon and I, after our friends had left, we were sitting. We drove to a beach and we were sitting there watching the waves and stuff. It was a really crappy day. It was raining and it was really cold that day. Um, and I remember Mon and I was just sitting in the car and I, we were both crying. I think the whole day we didn't really do much talking, to be honest. The entire group was just crying. And I remember I was crying and then I turned to Mon and I was like, how am I going to go to work on Monday? At this point, I had only started working full-time for, for a week, actually. And I remember just being like, Mon, how, do, how, how am I going to go to work? And she kind of just looked at me like, are you dumb or something? Like, you're not going to go to work. But I was just so, like, I was so afraid of taking leave, which sounds stupid now, but it was only my first week at work, so I was just so scared. And I remember just texting my manager, and then he called me just being like, you can take as much time as you want. But now I'm just thinking about it. Like, why was it the first thing that I thought was, how am I going to go to work after I found out that my boyfriend had passed away? <laughs> like a very side note, just capitalism right there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think like Amelia did say, we spent the whole day crying. And then for that, I stayed the whole month moving on from that first day that whole month i think we spent a lot of our days together that mm. after work getting dinners together just we didn't want to be alone and i think for me i remember just like going to bed and in the darkness and being alone with my thoughts that for me really scared me just like mm. your mind goes to a very dark place i know a lot of our mm. guy friends actually stayed up playing games to like very late in the in the evening just because they just didn't want to go to bed because the thought of it was just too much and too overwhelming i completely i really struggled to sleep and eat for the first for a good month i would say i just remember after the first day and even the first week i just i didn't have appetite to eat anything and like mon said i was too scared to go to sleep because it was really weird. I, I think we were all just really scared to go to yeah. sleep because when you go to sleep and you wake up, you wake up and for a split second or a few minutes, you you forget what happened. And then every time you wake up in the morning, that realization of what happened hits you. And I hated that. That's why I hated sleeping because I didn't want to wake up to this realization. I didn't want to wake up crying. And if anything, I barely slept through the night for the first week or so. I would wake up two, three times every night just crying and hyperventilating and just being, you know, like it was hard. It was really, really, really hard that first week, especially. But I think like Mon also said is that with it, in the first month or so, we hung out a lot. So it kind of, there was a destruction. It kind of made it a bit easier. I think, because everyone just didn't want to be alone and everyone just wanted to hang out all the time. So you did have those distractions and it's only until you got home and you're about to go to sleep or you're in the shower is when you're left with those thoughts. Yeah, I think we had a really good network of like support around us at that time, which mm. I'm very, very, very grateful that we all do. And, you know, we are still close now. Like I said, the first month was really difficult and for me, I actually had to move out as my parents were really just on my nerves and just being mm. ridiculous. Um, a huge thing was that they were comparing my love for them to my love for my friend who just passed. Like they were mm. saying how the way you're crying and grieving for him, like would you cry and grieve for us like that? Like, mm. like why would you put that thought in my head? And it's not something I really need at that time where I was just the saddest in my life. Like, hey, like, are you okay? It's just a friend. Like, don't need to tell me that. Like, this is so much more than just a friend. So I moved out to my cousins for a couple of weeks, which I'm very grateful for because that allowed me to just process just what had happened alone. Yeah, I remember Mon telling me that she moved out. Um, and I honestly think that was probably just the best thing for her because when you're at your most vulnerable, you don't need people in your face being like, how are you going to feel when we pass away and stuff? Like, it's not a competition. And the one thing that really bugs me is when people use the word just. 
it's not just just we literally just lost our friend we're very young it's not something that you expect like obviously if this happened when we're 90 different story (laughs) yeah different story right at 22 you don't expect to be grieving over your friend you expect to be having fun and doing stuff you don't expect to be crying every single day so I just don't understand why parents or like people in general would just use it as a comparison like that to me is just so ridiculous and we'll mention more of the stuff that people have said to us that are quite stupid but yeah mon probably did the best thing that she could by moving out i think yeah 100 percent. just that i think just even the first few hours was enough for me to be like i cannot do this mm-hmm. like i can't believe parents even come into this picture you would think they would be sympathetic and understand yep. because you know they've they've lost like you know people in their lives before but i think for them they just don't maybe don't realize how important friendships are to us i can i know that my parents have always been like keep your circle small like mm. don't have one or two friends just from their own personal experience so mm. maybe that's the way they see it but to dismiss her and just say just a friend that got me so angry i just couldn't be I couldn't bear to be with them for my grieving process i just had to get out yeah and that's the interesting point like asian parents don't they don't understand what friendship means to us but i think if we keep talking about like the month i think the month the first month of us finding out was probably like the hardest month it was also the month that we had the funeral as well so i do think that um before the funeral i did help his family plan it so in a way i was like distracted i had something to like work towards um so that kind of kept me distracted and i think in the first month so a lot of people were reaching out particularly in the first week you know as people are finding out they're all messaging you reaching out and in a way you are kind of distracted and i feel like the more people i told weirdly the less real it felt i know at the beginning i said that when i told mon and i told our friends i felt like i didn't want to tell anyone because if i told someone it felt more real but then that very quickly transitioned to the more people i told the less real it felt which is really weird i don't really have an explanation for it but it just felt like that it almost felt like every single person that reached out it just became a routine for me um to be like yeah this happened this is how I'm feeling I'm okay and you just kept doing that to every single person and then for some reason it just felt less real do you think because you were so numb from what had happened you really just weren't processing at all at that time and like you said you were Mm. working the goal per se which was the, organizing the funeral so mm. your mind wasn't really thinking about what had happened and who you just lost and you was just like going through going with the movement going like day by day and just helping his family and you were also even looking after us as shocking as that is because i think we should have been like the ones who we were but mm. i felt like you didn't even need to look after us like you <laughs> you were the one i think at that point just the most pain yeah I think maybe the best way I would say would say to you how you feel was probably you're just numb from everything I think Mon summarized it perfectly I was just so numb and I was so distracted I was checking in with all of our friends people were reaching out to me I was helping his family and just trying my best to make it as easy as possible for every single person which I is didn't ridiculous really... <laughs> because <laughs> you shouldn't be burden with that but Amelia as a person loves checking in with our friends mm. and she's very close with everyone so she, her as a person that's who she is and that's what she does but mm. yeah if you think of from like an outsider point like you shouldn't have had to do that though <laughs> I, I, I Simone has said this to me before offline as well and I think our other friend Don has said that as well I felt like in a weird way when I was trying to check in with you guys it allowed me to distance myself from it and I don't it's just so weird like I think the thing with grieving is that it's everything is so unexplainable and nothing makes sense and when we when we're reflecting when we're talking about it you just think that made absolutely no sense but in that moment it felt right like me checking in with our friends was a distraction in a way even though we're talking about the same issue the same person and we're feeling the exact same pain i was able to remove myself from that pain because my focus was trying to make you guys feel better and yeah and i think because i was so distracted in all of this i didn't really have time to think about how i felt 
And to be honest, I think at that stage, I wasn't ready to sit down with myself and think, how are you feeling about this? I didn't want to think about it because I was I was so scared. Like I was so scared to be alone in my thoughts. So I preferred checking in with you guys and talking about it from your point of view versus mine. Yeah, and that's really weird because I think for me at one point, not sure it was before the funeral or after the funeral. This is so stupid to say, but I remember like comparing my feelings to Amelia. Not in a bad way, but more so like I, mm. I wasn't in pain as much as Amelia was because she just lost like her boyfriend you know someone who who's her best friend for mm. so so long and for me yes he was like a, like a childhood friend from like primary school days to high school to uni but like in comparison to like what she lost i just felt like i couldn't be as sad as she was which is so stupid to say because any loss is a loss and what i grieve you know i'm validated to that but i'm feeling that way which mm. is ridiculous but yeah it was just like it's weird it's a weird way of like how mine works yeah it's funny because i did the exact same thing like i thought the pain that i felt is nowhere near compared to the pain that his mum must feel because losing a child is losing a child's heart right it's undoubtedly one of the hardest thing i mean it is the hardest thing you've ever got to go through you you expect to lose a parent but you never expect to lose a child yeah and I remember doing that as well. And it's funny because we do it because it's almost like our mind telling us not to be sad. It's like we're trying to dismiss our own problems. But Mon brings up a really good point. A loss is a loss. And it doesn't matter whether you lose a parent, a child, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a friend. It's still a loss. It's different though. I will say that the pain is different because obviously you have different relationships. But it's still a loss. And I think the main thing that we should take away from this point is that you shouldn't dismiss your feelings mm. and you should be allowed to feel sad about whoever it is that you lost. 100%. But moving to, I guess, the next stage, which is after the funeral, how did you feel? Because that's when you were actually slowing down then. I think when I think about this whole grieving, quote, journey, I think about it in these phases, which is like the first day before the funeral and then after the funeral. After the funeral is when... Everything started to slow down. I didn't have anything to plan anymore. The amount of people that were reaching out had decreased by quite a lot. So life was beginning to slow down. And I think a lot of people feel this, but after the funeral, you just think, okay, what now? Like, this is your life now. You know, that's it. You have to learn to live with it. And I think that's when I really struggled. And I think that's when it really hit me. And I was, I had a lot of time to think about it. And that's when it really hit me that you're alone now. Like you're alone now. Like you don't have your boyfriend anymore. I just, I think I felt really lonely and really sad and a bit scared as well because I didn't know what to do. Like I'd been with this person for five years. And when I felt sad about anything, I would tell this person. And I no longer had that person because I was being sad about the fact that he passed away. So it was just a constant like loop of sadness. I just felt empty and sad a lot. And I think at this point in time, I just kind of took it day by day. But this was also around the time that we went into lockdown. Yeah, honestly, the timing for us wasn't great. 2020 was a shit show, but mm -hmm. and more of a shit show for us because of mm -hmm. what we had to go through. And definitely in a time where we want to be with our friends, be distracted, a fucking pandemic happened and we went mm -hmm. into lockdown for three months until May. The core time of where you, I guess you'd be grieving, like processing, we were isolated in many ways and we were unable to see each other. And I guess you could say we, we had Discord and we could FaceTime and we really did and we kept each other entertained throughout lockdown. It's different because this is not the way you want to be grieving, right? Yeah, I think when you're grieving, like at this point in time, there has never been a time where I needed to be around people and I needed distractions more. Like I just wanted to be surrounded by my friends and then there was a fucking global pandemic that happened and we all had to be in lockdown. So we were literally isolated like Mon said and that was really hard for me because of course, yes, I had my family and I'm so grateful for that, but it's not the same. I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to be with his family. I wanted to be with my family as well, but I just, I wanted to be with all of these people and I couldn't. So to be honest, I just cried a lot and I tortured myself with like watching videos, going through old photos. I kind of just felt sorry for myself. But I think also around this time was when I started to feel anger. 
if you don't know, there are stages of grieving and the second stage is typically anger. And although not everyone goes through these stages in this exact order, I did. I felt angry. I felt angry that there was a pandemic going on and I couldn't see my friends. I felt angry that the world did this to me and that I had lost my boyfriend. I was angry that he was taken away from me, but then I also felt angry towards other people. And I remember telling one this, but during lockdown, I didn't want to see another couple. If you're in a relationship, I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to see couple photos. I didn't want to see tags on Facebook. I didn't want to see random couples on Instagram feeds. And obviously, Instagram algorithm is really strong, so they kept showing me couples. And I just remember feeling so angry because I just thought, I mean, of course I don't want this to happen to anyone. I don't think I need these disclaimers, but I don't want anything to happen to anyone. But I generally just thought, why couldn't this happen to someone else? Because I was so angry. I just thought, out of all people, why did this happen to happen to me and not happen to XYZ? And for a long time, I also couldn't feel happy for other people. A lot of our friends are in relationship, and I just remember every time they started talking about their relationship and their significant other, I just didn't want to hear it. Like, I just physically had to get myself out of the room because I just didn't want to hear about your girlfriend slash boyfriend. Because in a way, I guess I was jealous, right? Okay, I guess jealous could be the best word to describe, but I think it's just painful because, yeah, you think Mm. that that should be you. Like, I should Mm. be in that position now, but I'm not. And I don't want to be rude or anything, but I guess for you, it did feel like they were shoving it in your face. They probably didn't even notice, but for you, it felt like they were shoving it in your face. And at Mm -hmm. that point, you just want that. Like, you just want everyone to be single and be alone also like you are, right? (laughs) Like, as hard as that is, that's what you felt like. And I think it's validated just, like, how you wanted to feel that way. Yeah, and I remember, I definitely wasn't as angry as Amelia, of course, but it's the same pattern going through anyways. But um, I was just more angry and sad for her and for his family. Mm. Not really for myself. I don't know why, but I was just more angry for her because, you know, Mm. like, I saw them as mom and dad. So for (laughs) me, I really broke my heart because I felt like I lost a dad in a way. Not in a weird, like, comparisons, friend, friend, dad, you know. But, like, yeah, it was just a huge loss for my best friend. And to see her, like, be in pain and so sad, Mm. like, that for anyone was just really hard to see. And we're all crying, like, every day. Like, I remember just crying in the shower, crying to sleep. And, like, I would just look at something and I'd just cry. Like, you just, it was just very, very hard. And as we did say, we were in lockdown. And I think this is when I slowly transitioned back to home life. So mm. it's just like learning to block out my parents and their stupid things and focus on myself. But like even also navigating a whole lockdown itself was like another thing yeah. on our plate, right? Like it's just a lot of like thinking, emotions, and it's just a fucking shit roller coaster. Yeah. There's a lot of emotions coming at us at once. Like we had to navigate. We've never been in a bloody lockdown before. We've never experienced a pandemic, not that we remember anyway. So we were trying to navigate that. Like I was trying to navigate working from home. And then most of all was juggling all of this and trying to navigate losing our friend. Like I just sometimes thinking about that period of time in our lives, I just think how are we even like still here? Like the amount of shit we went through, I just think, oh my God, the fact that I'm still here is crazy like I don't know how I did it but uh, yeah I just remember during that lockdown I just felt so sad and like so helpless and depressed as well it was just constant emotions one day I was feeling angry the next day I was feeling sad the next day I was feeling helpless and depressed helpless in the sense that I could do nothing to make myself feel better depressed in the sense that I saw no end in my sadness and it just felt like I was going to be sad forever. It just felt like I was going to feel empty for the forever. I, I'm the type of person that I like control over everything. I like to plan everything. I like to have control over everything. And for the first time in my life, I couldn't control anything. I couldn't control my emotions. I couldn't bring back my boyfriend. I couldn't control the fact that a pandemic was happening. So I just felt helpless and so depressed. And I just remember thinking and saying to Mon and our other friend Dom, who I was speaking to a lot at that time, I just remember saying to them, like, you know, this whole thing would just be so much easier if I just wasn't alive anymore. Like, it'd just be so much easier because then I wouldn't need to feel this sadness. And almost in a really fucked up way, that was the only solution I could think of. Of course, like, they would tell me that, I mean, they both, they both were, like, saving graces and they both helped me and, like, talked me through it. But, like, 
that's just generally how I felt for so long. I just, I wanted to be with him. And the only way I could be with him was if I was no longer alive. It's just scary that I thought like that for so long. I was sad for so long. You're seeing your best friend go through that and in a way feel a bit helpless because Mm. as say, she can only help herself. Like we can only say all these words. I was very, I would say very aware of what I said because Mm. you start learning through grieving that things you say matter a lot. And the way you phrase the words also. At that point, we can only check in. I could only check in with Amelia every day and not always bring it up, but just like not mm. keep her alone, I think was my goal um, during lockdown. Make sure we're entertaining ourselves in like ways mm. down and anyway, try to distract her and distract myself also. But yeah, it's, it was a weird stage now, like thinking back. And I, yeah, I'm actually very surprised how mentally stable we are. We went, we've been through a fuck lot. Yeah. Yeah. And one brings up another really good point is that when you're grieving, you very quickly learn what is helpful and what isn't. And I think the thing that I want to say is that from my personal experience and from my point of view, when you're grieving, words matter a lot, a lot. You may think that you're saying the right thing, but actually to that person that's grieving, it's not very helpful. And I'll explain why in a second. But on top of that, actions matter. If you're checking in because you feel like you're obligated to, it's going to show through, you know? Like everything in life, if you generally don't care, that's going to show through in your execution. So I think the main thing, the one thing that I want to say is that if you know someone who's currently grieving, if you don't really care, just save yourself the effort and save them the time, really, because it's going to show through that you don't care. So, and the other thing is that action speaks louder than words. At the end of the day, words are words. Saying stuff like, I'm here for you, is comforting and it's great. But if you don't actually mean it, it might you might as well just not say it. And I think when you say, you know, I'm here for you, maybe add on a question when you ask, what can I do? Is there anything you need? Is there anything that I can do to make your life easier in, at this point? They may say no and they may say yes. But I think just keep that in mind, I think. And if we talk about some of the things that people say, um, one thing that really got under my skin was, I can't imagine what you're going through. A lot of people have said this to me and yeah. it means well. I think a quick disclaimer, when people are reaching out to me and when people did reach out to me, I appreciated it a lot. And I'm not and I'm not trying to say that I didn't appreciate it. And I know that there's every well intent behind these things, but I do also think that it's important to say something that actually helps. And I think saying, I can't imagine what you're going through wasn't very helpful. The reason being is that when someone is grieving, they are the loneliest that they have ever been in their entire life. You feel like you're alone. You feel like no one can relate to you. Um, You just feel very isolated and very sad. So when someone says, I can't imagine what you're going through, it's reconfirming those feelings. What you're really saying is, I can't imagine what you're going through because I'm not in your position. Therefore, yes, you are alone. You are isolated in how you're feeling. Yeah, it just doesn't help. How would you like someone to phrase that instead though? I think... The safest bet maybe is just to skip it altogether. Because even if you add something on afterwards, they're just going to be focusing on the first part, which is I can't imagine what you're going through. Like I get, I can get the intention in saying that you don't want to like feel like you can relate. Like I think what's worse than this is like, I can imagine what you're going through because I lost X, Y, Z as well. And even though, yes, yes, you understand what it's like to lose someone. But at the end of the day, you also don't fully understand because you're not me. You don't haven't been through everything that I've been through. So I think with this one, just skip it, in my opinion. The other thing that annoys both of us as well is stay strong. Yeah, okay. Anyone, I don't want to say fuck you, but also fuck you too, if anyone has said this in a very polite way. I think for both of us, when someone says, stay strong, you can get through this, it's like to us, it sounds like a challenge. Like, yeah, for us, it just sounds like, oh, we'll get through this. And at that moment in time, we just don't know if we can get through this because it's like the most, Mm -hmm. one of the most significant events in our lives that that has happened. And it's so overwhelming for someone to be like, stay strong. Like, I don't want to be strong. 
that's mm. it. Like, I just want to be weak. I want to fall apart. I'm just, I just don't want to be here. Like, I just want to, like, be flat. And I don't want mm. someone to be like, stay strong. You can get through this. Like, just let me be and just let me be sad. Like, don't try to perk me up and make me happy because for, like, that time, I don't want to be happy and I don't feel like we deserve to be happy which is really weird but that's i think how amelia and i felt at that time mm-hmm. for us like crying doesn't really mean weak like it doesn't mean mm. that we're strong but you have to go through those emotions during mm. that time and what does staying strong even mean like do you mean i shouldn't have these emotions that i should just you know bottle them down and like you know ignore what has happened and move on and be strong in that sense like what does stay strong actually mean yeah i completely agree like grieving doesn't make us weak right being sad mourning over a person that we appreciate doesn't make us weak like i just stay strong Mm-mm. just don't say it <laughs> we're just very passionate about that but we got that a lot and like no attack on anyone because I don't think you can say don't tell me to stay strong to someone who has said that to us because yeah. you know they're coming from a very good intention like a good place but yeah. from someone who's hearing it it just sounds me like I, I don't know how to be strong like it's just so hard to be strong and I just want to fall apart let me fall apart <laughs> exactly maybe replace it with sending you lots of love strength positivity happiness say something like that instead you know stay strong not my favorite the other thing is x wouldn't want to see you like this x being the person that just passed away yes it's kind of like it's kind of like stay strong it's like yes of course the our loved one wouldn't want to see us like that but at the same time at the moment we're mourning and we're grieving so just let us feel our emotions you know like I get it that they want us to be happy, but at the same time, it's like we're not happy at the moment, so just let us be and let us feel whatever we need to feel. My parents said this a lot to me, actually. Like, they, you know, he wouldn't want to see you like this. And I was like, you don't even know him. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> it just became white noise to me, but yeah. Yeah. Not a great phrase also. Um, another one, not my favourite also, is time heals all wounds. Like, I get it. You know, like I really do agree that time will help with grief, and but here at that time, so shut up. Because yes, like one said, time typically does make these things feel less painful. But we're always going to grieve. You know, we're always going to remember him. We're always going to feel like someone's missing from our lives. So I don't think time heals all. I think time heals a lot of pain but some of the pain is always going to be there and time doesn't heal all of that you could think about it as like it's a scar right like it's always going to mm-hmm. be there and you'll see those scars like yes the pain will be less but you will always get those waves which we'll mention soon but yeah you'll feel better better air quote to that but yeah, mm. there's always someone missing and like we i think deep down we do know at that time that time will help us but at that time you just kind of want time to freeze kind of wound back to the good time yeah because i think the other part of it mon makes a really good point is that you don't i feel like the more when people say time heals all it means that time has to pass in order for you to feel better and in that moment you don't want time to pass because in a really fucked up way you kind of just want to be you kind of want time to pass because you don't want to be in pain, but at the same time, you kind of want to. You kind of want time to stand still because you want to always remember what it's like to remember these per- this person. Because I do also think that as time goes on, memories do fade, and I think that's also really hard because you don't want the memories to fade because mm-hmm. you want them to be there. And for many of our friends and ourselves. Our memories associated with him, our friend. This is really good times. Like, I don't think there was ever a dull moment with him. Yeah, I just, if I could, I would get a time machine. I would want to go back to 2018, 2019. Like, just really good days and Mm. be there. And that's just, it's just hard. Yeah, Um, because we just want time to go back. Last one I think we'll touch upon is that this very common question I got from my relatives actually because we got around aren't you over him yet like what the fuck does that even mean <laughs> oh that one that one makes my because I got that too like 
it's some for some reason people think and i think it's linked to time heals all people for some reason think okay this person passed away seven months ago so surely you're over it um no no i'm not over it in fact i'm never going to be over it actually and i think dropped you know like this is not a fight we had aren't you over it yet like what the fuck (laughs) exactly it's not like oh i just woke up one day six months later and thought you know what I'm over this shit. Like, let's get my life moving. Like, that's not what happened. And I think this ties perfectly into what we're calling it post-lockdown because I guess what we're saying as post-lockdown is probably around this time last year. Mm, life was happening. Um, it was close to the one-year mark. So naturally, at this point in time, the amount of people that started reaching out is pretty much at zero. Everyone's kind of pretty much found out. And if anything, the only real support I got was from Mon and Dom and a few other friends that would constantly check in. But no one knew was reaching out. No acquaintances was reaching out at this point. So, and you also naturally start to get the question where, oh, you're still sad about that? Oh, you're not over it yet? I don't know. For me, that was just ridiculous because at that point, it was still very raw for me. It was still... I was still very much sad. Um, Yes, I wasn't crying every single day at this point. I think I was probably crying once a week or so. And then I think by the time it was like lockdown, it was probably about once a month. So it kind of naturally transitioned to the fact that I wasn't like, I wasn't crying all the time, but I was still thinking about it every single day. I think the thing that we need to remember when it comes to grieving is that emotion comes in waves. Yes. It does. That's something we had to learn. Like it hits you in moments you don't even realize. I remember, I think when you could say life was getting back to normal during lockdown, I remember there was like this one weekend, I just felt very, very sad. Like all of a sudden, like maybe a small reminder I had, but it hit me to the rock bottom. And I remember like breaking down in the shower. And I remember questioning, like, it's been an X amount of months. Like, how can I still feel this sad? Like, so much sadness. But Mm. then you learn that it does come in ways and it comes in moments you don't even realize and it hits you like a a rock. And I think something we've had to learn is that you just need to let those emotions happen and roll over. And as much as we hate to say, yes, time comes into place here and the impact of what has happened is less and less. But the waves mm. are still there, the pain is still there, the reminder is still there for us. And for a very long time, for a few months, I think just admitting it to ourselves that it was real is really hard to comprehend. And as a man mm. has mentioned, being like we're calling it post-lockdown, that's when life starts to become normal for us. So that's when we actually felt the emptiness of someone in the group, which we didn't get to feel during the days of the lockdown, right? And you just see someone missing. It's like, it, like it's some, it, it's actually happened. And this is what normal is, air quote, for us from now on. Yeah, I completely agree. I think post-lockdown was really hard because when we're in lockdown like mon said like post-lockdown life's getting back to normal in lockdown at the very beginning of lockdown all i wanted was to see my friends and stuff but we were in lockdown for a really long time so um something i didn't mention before is that in a weird way lockdown was kind of like a blessing in disguise because i didn't have to be out in the world and put up a front i could hide away and lockdown gave me an excuse to hide away So if anything, I really enjoyed it because I allowed myself to feel the emotions. I allowed myself to cry whenever I wanted. So I got really comfortable with being in lockdown for a long time. So when we came out of lockdown, which was around October or so, at this point, we had been in lockdown for most of the year. And I was really scared because everyone was saying, the news, the media, everyone was saying, let's get back to normal you know we're returning back to normal because no more lockdown and stuff but for mon for me for our friendship group we weren't going back to normal we were going back to a new normal and this new normal was our friend not being here anymore we're trying to adjust to a new life without a friend that we have known for years and years right we had to come to terms with our new reality we saw each other but we felt like someone was missing this was when i started to feel anxious I I describe it as social anxiety where, you know, for the longest time ever, all I wanted was to see my friends. And when I could finally get the opportunity to, I didn't want to because I was scared. 
Like I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to do anything in our group because if I saw Mon and I saw our friendship, the first thing that they remind me of is our is my boyfriend. We have a shared friendship group for context. So they reminded me of him and I didn't want the reminders. I really had this fear that none of our, my friends liked me for me and they liked me because I was dating him. So I wanted to lock myself away and I didn't want to see anyone. And I just remember going to this dinner, the first group dinner that I've had in ever since my boyfriend passed away. I just remember thinking, I don't want to go to this. Like, I don't want to see them. I just remember trying to think of every single excuse I could to cancel last minute. I felt really anxious. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like this weird lump in my throat and I felt like crying up until I went to the dinner. I just remember thinking, okay, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But then I forced myself to go and I remember walking to the dinner. And the whole time I was thinking, you can turn back now. You can turn back. You can go home. You can just say you feel sick. You can say you got your period. You can think of every other excuse, any excuse not to go because I was just so afraid of socializing. And I remember going to the dinner and it was fine. But then I like cried afterwards as well because every time I had a social event, I just remember calling my boyfriend and being like, you know, this and this happened. I saw this and this and I, we ate this and this. But I didn't have that anymore. So I was afraid to go to dinners, but I was also afraid of what would happen after the dinner because I would have to go home again and I would be reminded that I don't have this person anymore. Yeah, I remember Amelia feeling this way very clearly because, you know, with anyone, like any partners you, you are with, you get to go home and share all these things that you've done throughout your day with them. And she's learning to, what, she's learning that she can't do that anymore. Like, that's mm. such a strange feeling for her. And so the social anxiety makes sense. And maybe for even more context, a lot of um some of the dinners that she went to, there were a lot mm. of like our guy friends. So a lot of mm. them were like very close with her boyfriend. So it's a, it could explain why she felt that way and why she felt like they were more his friends and not actually friends with her herself and mm. she was just tagging along. But side note, like I was friends just for her. Uh, but yeah it's just it it explains a lot of how she felt because yeah like with anyone you with anyone you're dating you like to share everything that goes in your life Mm. and to not have that it's just like a hard say but yeah definitely an emptiness for Amelia yeah it was that like emptiness during the dinners I would have fun and I would be fine but it's always like the before and after and that went on for months, I think. Um, I felt that even for the trip that we did one with um, the guys and the girls. Like, mm. yeah, like I for some reason just felt really anxious around that. Although like, although Mon and the girls are my friends and I never felt like that when I was hanging out with just the girls. It's only when ever the boys was in the mix. I just felt this like weird anxiety around it. I don't know. It was just really weird. To ex- I, it was really weird. I just felt really anxious around it. I just didn't want to socialize. I felt fine when it was Mon Mon and I one-on-one because Mon and I used to hang out by ourselves all the time, as you guys know. Um, So it was never a feeling with the girls. I think Mon hit the nail on the head. It's like the guy friends in a way was his friends and they were closer to him. And I became friends with them because I was dating my boyfriend. And although now they are my friends too, I just felt like because he's now gone, they didn't want me around and stuff. So that went on for a while and that's actually, I think that's the reason why I started seeing a therapist. So at the beginning of this year, I started seeing a therapist because I've never had social anxiety before and I thought it was really weird that I was suddenly feeling like this. So I spoke to a therapist and she did explain it really well. She said it was very normal and validated all my feelings and I think as time went by, it got a little bit better maybe. But for a while, I definitely have to like, talk myself into going to social events it was very much like you can do it you can go you'll be fine it was very weird but I think I'm better I I don't want to say better I hate using the word better I think I'm I don't feel like that anymore but I think sometimes it does it still does come out a little bit but we're in lockdown so I can't see anyone I also like to add through like last year and I guess now Emily had to celebrate her birthday without without him for the first time in so long and I remember that so clearly because I usually plan all her birthdays with him Mm. and that's usually when 
our chats popping, you know, like, and we're both really, we're both really, really bad with presents. Like Amelia <laughs> is like the one person who organizes most birthdays. So when you leave to two people who don't like organizing birthdays, it's a bit chaotic and still one of my favorite memories of us together because um, we have bought her this North Face jacket and it was very painful to organize that present. I had gone on the jacket and he had the responsibility of, you know, taking that jacket home with him and giving and gifting to her on the day that, you know, we do do our birthday dinner with her. And mm. he just couldn't, <laughs> he just, I don't know what happened, but he got really drunk and she saw him that night and he gave her a present like that. And I've been so angry, but it's one of my favorite memories of him right now. But like things like that. I think are really great reminders of who he was. Mm. That's when it also hits me again. Like there's someone missing in our life. It's those key, um, key events that trigger the memory. I think at the very beginning, it was every day, constant sadness. And then during lockdown, it kind of transitioned to like a weekly thing or a monthly thing. And then I think now we're at that stage where of course, we're still sad about it, but our sadness gets triggered from things like that, like his birthday, the first year, my birthday for Mond. Just small things start to remind us, but it's not as frequent. Yeah, so I guess the pain is less. But I think it's just sad for us because we weren't, with lockdown, we couldn't celebrate the small milestones. Yeah. Him, like death anniversary, as morbid as that is, we didn't get to do that because of lockdown. Mm. And his birthday. Hate this phrase for this episode, but it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> and that's the reality of it all. But mm. where we are right now though, in wrapping this episode up, where do you where are you, Mills? It's a loaded question. Yeah. Because I think I'm at that stage where now where people stop asking me how I am. People kind of stop checking in, if I'm being honest. People don't really ask how you're feeling. I mean, this is obviously excluding Mon. Like Mon knows me too well. So Mon still checks in and Dom still checks in and stuff. But it's definitely at the point where people stop checking in, people stop asking how you are. And in terms of how I feel, I feel like I don't know how to describe it. I think I'm in a, I'm definitely in a better headspace and I definitely feel like I'm able to feel happiness again because for the longest time it all I felt was sadness. Like that was the only emotion I could feel was sadness, loneliness, angry, anger and emptiness now I'm able to feel other emotions and I remember telling Mon back in like March or so I just remember telling her like I haven't felt happy like this for so long and I remember thinking was I ever happy like was I ever happy pre-2021 because I was just so sad for so long so it almost felt like the only emotion I could ever remember was just sadness so I definitely think I'm in a better headspace like I do miss him a lot don't get me wrong and I do think about him a lot still but there are still things that remind me of him and there are still things I want to tell him but I'm definitely in a better headspace in the sense that it doesn't consume me anymore and I've kind of in a way adjusted to this new life without him not saying that it's great and all but I've definitely adjusted I'm in a much clearer headspace and maybe we'll do an episode on this but I'll touch on it very briefly but I know for a while Mon knows this as well that I did have this weird guilt about moving on from him I just didn't want to be in a relationship I didn't want to connect with any other male I just I thought I had an inability to connect with other males I felt guilt about moving on and about thinking about other people. I've moved past that now. I would say I'm doing okay. I'm doing a lot better is how I would wrap it up. You say that people have stopped asking how you are really. Do you want people to ask you that? Do you miss them asking how you really are? Do you want them to always continue checking in? Great question. I ask this because the way you come across seem like you want them to ask you. I think... Mm. oh my god this is actually a really good question because Mon's such a genius with these questions okay how do I wear this um it's not that I want people to um I think the biggest thing for me is that I don't want people to feel sorry for me I think out of this whole thing I I never wanted anyone's pity I don't want people to feel sorry for me it's I can't stand that feeling so I don't want people to keep asking me because I don't want people to keep feeling sorry for me 
this happened and it is what it is and it's a part of my life now and it's a part of who I am. I think it's not that I don't want people to either. I don't mind it if you're actually generally interested in how I am. Like I don't want you to do it just because you feel sorry for me and I don't want you to do it just because you feel like you have to. Because if that's your intention, then I would rather you not check in. But if you're generally just curious, then I don't mind, you know? Um, I know another thing I bring up is that I know Mon and Dom, our other friend, has said to me in the past, they don't know whether or not to bring it up because they don't want to trigger me. A weird thing. Like, I know we're all, we've all gone through the same kind of loss. Mm. So comparison is a bit different with Amelia losing her boyfriend than just us. A friend, but a loss is a loss. But mm. I think, and I still kind of feel that way, that mm. asking that question brings up that memory again that very like sad time which is strange but I never want to ask someone a question and trigger them and make mm. that so that's where I come from and why I feel that way I completely understand though but I think personally for me I'm at the point where if you would ask me I wouldn't be triggered anymore I think I've moved past that point um, but I fully understand those because sometimes I feel like I don't want to ask Mon or or our other friends how we are because I don't want to trigger you guys. But I think the thing is that we need to remember is it's not about triggering them, right? It's about checking in just to make sure they're okay because you might feel like, okay, I don't want to ask this person how they are because they might trigger them or you might think otherwise. Or it might be that they're actually really struggling with it and you asking them could actually really help. And I also think it's like how you word it, right? Like you don't have to say, oh, how are you feeling about the fact that your friend passed away? You don't have to word it like that. You can just be like, hey, you know, um, I was just thinking about you the other day, just wanted to check in to see how you're going. I actually had a friend recently uh, check in a few weeks ago and he just worded it really casually. He was kind of like, hey, um, just wanted to check in to see how you're doing. Um, how's lockdown? What you've been up to? You know, I've been listening to your podcast. It's been really good. And I know his intention was to check in to see how I felt related to the fact that my boyfriend passed away earlier the year but it didn't come across that way. It just generally felt like someone cared about how I was feeling. I think I'm comfortable in our friendship where mm. I, would say what, I would just say what's on my mind. Whenever I do feel sad, I, t- I do tell Amelia, and I tell mm-hmm. every day too. We actually speak every day, as surprisingly as I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, we I'm do. Very, very comfortable in sharing mine. But you do make a good point because if you're coming with good intention, you just want to see how they're going, it's not going to trigger them because they can see that you're coming from a good spot but the way you phrase it I guess is important because like we've said throughout this episode we don't want the pity and we can feel the pity and you can always see it through people's looks and their eyes yes. like the way they they come across you can feel their energy like we're not ignorant yeah I think the pity thing is the main thing like even in this episode if you're listening to this and you think oh poor mon poor Amelia please don't think that like I really can't stand pity and this is why sometimes I don't tell people what happened because I can't stand the look of oh shit I'm so sorry like I can't stand it <laughs> I just think if I was to, if Mon and I were to tell you just be like oh I'm so sorry that happened and if we want to talk about it we'll talk about it if not just leave it at that I think from this experience experience I guess you can say mm. we've developed I guess a great sense of empathy and sympathy for this grieving yep. process I guess is the best way to summarize that we understand how people do feel which is shit because I don't wish that upon anyone to ever know how we feel because it's it's just traumatic <laughs> and mm. for someone like our age to lose someone so young it's it's hard like like I understand losing grandparents because that's something you kind of foresee in a way. And I think with situations like this, it's it's out of our control. It's mm-hmm. on circumstances. And I think when circumstances are out of our control, that's when you just never know how to process that. So I think that's why grieving is so complicated. And that's why we're so strong, I guess, on the things you say, because we know how, like, how... Just like how triggering those words can be for us. Yeah, I think one summarizes it very perfectly. We have developed a sense of empathy when it comes to grieving and we, we understand losing a loved one on a whole new level. 
So that's why we thought it would be good to do this episode in just giving you some insight. We hope that you never have to use any of the things that we said in this episode, but it's a good reference point, I think. It's always good to be aware and make sure that what you're saying is spreading kindness and positivity and is actually generally helping, I think. And another thing to say is that with grieving, if you are grieving, and I hope you're not, but if you are, there is no guideline, there's no what you should and shouldn't do. It's all about listening to what you um, feel and you do whatever you need to do and just be kind to yourself. 100%. And I know, you know, online there are resources about the stages of grieving, but, you know, everyone goes through it so differently. Like Amelia went through all the stages and I did, but very like a light touch in comparison like we've said and like Amelia has said let those emotions flow the waves will always be there they still come for both of us they just come mm. at different times and unexpected as shitty as it is to say you just got to be sad <laughs> you just have to let yourself feel the emotions and I guess yeah in closing this episode it is it has I wouldn't say depressing but it is a very sad topic we have discuss but i think also it's the reality of it all and that's something we have gone through ourselves in the last two years so it's formed part of who we are mm-hmm. um it's helped us i guess be a different person but we hope this episode shed some light into what grieving is um what it can be like maybe our circumstances are quite different because we've had lockdown in the mix so the way we've gone about it is very like not normal you could mm-hmm. say but yeah we really do hope like we've said throughout this whole episode that you can understand a little bit of how someone may feel during this time and oh yeah all we can ask is just be kind to that person mm-hmm. and no pity just be empathetic and yeah, just be there for them if you can yeah be patient for positivity be kind we hope you enjoyed this episode we'll see you next week then Bye. Bye.